0: Good evening, RFL fans, and welcome to the 307 Film Room with your host, Mitchell O'Brien. We have a very special episode today as we're going to be previewing the Senior Bowl, which will be taking place June 20th at 8 p.m. on the RFL YouTube channel. Uh, Dual commentary by Commissioner uh, Smitty and Rob Roby. Yeah, so we're just going to hop right into it. Uh, Offensive starters for the West team. We have Owen Jack, quarterback from Oregon, running back Cleon Markman from Iowa, fullback Jurek uh, bielkoff Vodka uh, from Texas, uh, Pablo Frederick from Alabama, Stefan Harris from Oregon, Louis Cardenas from Texas A&M, Brady Barrowman from Florida, uh, the O-line, we have Kevin Hatch from LSU, Connor Hawk, Miami. Karen Potts, Minnesota, Zach Emerson, West Virginia, and right tackle Dustin Brooks, Notre Dame. Defensively, we have defensive end Jose Ortiz, defensive end uh, Kendrick Woodson, defensive tackle August Speller, and defensive tackle Devin Andrews. Uh, Your outside linebackers will be uh, Sean Best Jr. and Christian Bonnet. Uh, Interior linebackers, we're going to have Josh Hardy and Dan Glissick. Starting cornerbacks, we're going to have Prince Potter, Matty Packerman the third, Deshaun Bass, and uh, our safety tandem, we're going to have Blue Hill and Connor Baker. Uh, oh, Potter from Texas AM, and Packerman from Miami, Abbas from USC. Berryhill uh, is Baylor, and Texas AM and for Baker. Kicker, Michael Floda from Michigan, and uh, kicker slash punter, Justin Lawrence, Florida State. Yeah, so we're just going to hop right into the breakdowns. Uh, Starting at quarterback, Owen Jack, I believe he will be able to show why he was quarterback of the year for the College Series. I hope to see Jack stretch the ball down the field more often this game. A West Coast system will be really good for Jack as it will suit his strengths with his play action. Uh, Owen Jack uh, won quarterback of the year in the College Series for anyone who didn't know. mainly off his, uh, performance of 33 touchdowns to four interceptions. Owen Jack also almost put up a 1,000 yards on the ground as a great dual threat. Uh, Jack, uh, showed up day in, day out. Uh, I think he ended up the season with a 125 QBR, which is absolutely amazing. Yes, yeah, so Owen Jack, uh, will look to, uh, continue continue his uh, show of why he scored back of the year and offensive player of the year uh, uh, so he'll be leading the starting unit for the the west team uh, as mentioned uh, play action West Coast system so something that's right up Owen Jack's alley as he's a great game man game manager type who's uh, not afraid to uh, stretch stretch the ball down the field but doesn't do it unless it's needed. Uh, a vintage Latavius Worrell, I would say. Uh, not this season where Worrell went a little, cra- little, little crazy, throwing the ball down the field. But a uh, Worrell, uh, Worrell of the past, where he used to throw like twenty-eight touchdowns to five interceptions and just be your uh, your QB one and being able to maintain, uh, maintain the offense and uh, keep it in a good rhythm. Uh, moving to running back, we're going to be talking about running back Cleon Markman from Iowa. Uh, we watched all season long as Markman broke off long runs, and I would expect to see the same in this game. The West looks to run the West Coast system, as mentioned above. So obviously, the outside zone, outside zone plays are right up Markman's alley, as he'll have uh, the best right tackle and left tackle in the country uh, help help sealing the edge edge for him so that's that's always crucial and uh, hatcher and brooks uh markman also can run between the tackles don't take me don't get me wrong uh he can he can do anything you want he can do iso he can do uh halfback dive stretch toss uh markman's just a very versatile back he can catch out of the backfield halfback screens angle routes texas routes uh curls Like, Markman is a very well-balanced running back uh, throughout. So definitely expect to see him uh, get a heavy workload uh, early in the game on Sunday. Uh, Looking at the wide receiver room, uh, Pablo Frederick, Stefan Harris, and Luis Cardenas. Obviously, Steph Harris, being a former teammate of Owen Jacks, they already have a a chemistry uh, built up as uh Harris was uh Jack's uh go-to wide receiver throughout the season. Uh given bubble passes, uh short routes, uh hitting uh Steph Harris down the sidelines after running wheel routes. Harris can run digs, slants, crossers, post, end arounds, as we saw him do uh quite a few times. Yeah, he, uh, he took a 40-yard end uh, around to the house, with, or jet sweep, I mean, end uh, around, those are two different things, but yeah, so, uh, Stefan Harris, uh, already has the connection, ready, and Paul Frederick and Luis Cardenas, I expect to, uh, get acquainted, uh, very early and often with Owen Jack, as Frederick is a great, uh, medium, medium road runner, as he can find, uh, open space across the middle at the 10 to 15 yard marker, uh, at a very high level which he did uh for owen jack uh brayden dunn was more of the or the flag uh post type of uh receiver for the crimson tide and jacob mccall Well, palvo was the more refined route runner doing uh the slants the digs the crossers yeah just find just finding open space and zones across the middle then we have Lewis cardenas who was a great slot wide receiver he played outside for A&M, but he definitely fits well in the slot, as he has great short route running and deep route running, and has the explosive speed and excel to uh, turn turn up any route and uh, quickly gain uh, rack yardage off it. So, definitely with uh, play action system, uh, I definitely think Owen Jack will. Take take deep shots down the field and uh Frederick, Harris, and Cardenas were all great. Also great contested catchers down the field. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how Owen Jack uses his arsenal of wide receivers that he will have. Uh going to tight end, uh Brady Barrowman was a great wide, was a great receiving tight end for the Florida Gators, but I'm looking for something a little bit different out of Brady Barrowman, which is his blocking. Uh, Brady Barrowman originally started off as my tight end 1, falling down to tight end 2 below Zanisir. Uh, mainly off of his blocking, after watching quite a few uh, Gator games, uh, Brady Barrowman sh- often struggled to uh, contain the defensive end or blitzing, blitzing linebacker that would often be put on him on outside stretch plays as Archibald Nino the fifth would be running behind him. And often uh, the D end would either shed shed off of uh, the block or just overpower Barrowman and uh, off the line of scrimmage. Six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's a, he's definitely a tall tall wide receiver or tall tight end, but a great receiving threat down the field, great jump ball uh, tight end. But like I like I was just talking about, uh, definitely needs to work on. Run blocking, and this is a great system to uh, throw him to the throw him to uh, throw him into the fire and see how he does. Like outside zone, primarily uh, asking tight ends to help seal the end, while the fullback picks up the flowing linebacker or a tackle. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be a very crucial game for Brady Barrowman, as to see if he's improved in his run blocking since the end of the series uh moving to the o-line of the west the starting unit is best described as elite uh outside the center uh on this team every every other player i could call an all-american uh, no it's nothing against uh cameron potts or any of the centers but at the end of the day they were all terrible <laughs> All the centers were terrible in the series as they were getting dominated by defensive ends. No offense, Pat. Uh, Not defensive ends. Getting dominated by defensive tackles. But yeah, so outside of the centers who all struggled. So it's not just one. It's all. uh, Two great great tackles in uh, Kevin Hatcher and Dustin Brooks. Kevin Hatcher gave up three sacks on the season. All three sacks game came against uh, Texas A&M. Honestly, after watching back the film and watching uh, Hatcher's performance, I honestly would only have credited him with one sack, but uh, Madden just has some formula of how they calculate uh, who allowed the sack, and I'm pretty sure Kevin Hatcher just inevitably was the first person to uh, touch them, even though he wasn't the primary blocker on the play for that player. And then we flip to the right tackle, Dustin Brooks, who didn't allow a single t- a single sack on the entire season, uh, playing in 12 games. So that's uh, absolutely amazing performance by a tackle, uh, the only tackle in the entire uh, series not to allow a sack. So we're definitely going to be we're definitely going to be looking to see if he can maintain that impressive streak uh, this upcoming Sunday against the East D line. Uh, Looking to the interior line, we have two of the best uh, guards in the entire draft, uh, one being uh, Connor Hawk, uh, arguably the best O-lineman in the draft, and some could say third best uh, overall player in the draft behind Daryl Johnson and Jermaine Taylor. Uh, O-line is a very valuable position in the RFL as uh, if you don't have him, you're, you're feeling it, your quarterback's feeling it in the kidneys as he's getting hit. So, you're definitely going to want to have an old lineman and Connor Hawk is definitely the guy who you shouldn't be afraid to take in the top five, because he can be a perennial pro bowler for whatever team selects him. Uh, looking at the other uh, guard will be Zach Emerson out of West Virginia, who is also a stud, and uh, helped uh, keep Leo Moon upright throughout the season. Uh, one player who didn't get selected, who was also an All Star and who I would have voted an All American for O line, was Jacob Sprinsky. Uh I definitely th- think he deserves some love. Uh, he definitely should have been picked. Uh, not I wouldn't say for uh the West they got four great great uh guards, but uh, definitely the East could have probably upgraded by selecting Jacob Sprinsky. At guard, but we'll talk about that later when we get to their o line. But yeah, so Zach Emerson was an absolute stud. I would have voted I would have thrown him an all American vote. Uh and then just looking at the centers, Cameron Potts, center out of Minnesota. Uh no no disrespect against any of the centers. They did their best. Uh they they got the bat in the stick, often getting credit for sacks against defensive tackles. As often the centers the first guy to touch, make contact with the D tackle. So I think that's how Madden uh, records sacks, or at least that's the logic that I think I've uh, come to. So yeah, they they did their best uh, to uh, get in front of them and block them. And most importantly, and furthermore for this uh, outside zone run scheme, all these offensive linemen are incredibly agile and athletic and have great fundamentals when moving in space. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how... These all, how these all linemen block for Cleon Markman and uh, in the play action game, which can often uh, obviously catch the defense off off guard, as that's the whole premise of the play action. Uh, moving to deep to the D, D line and defense in general, uh, the first player we're going to talk about is Jose Ortiz, an explosive edge rusher from UCLA. Uh, he has an amazing first step, but needs to work on his hand placement and rip technique to shed shut-off blocks just a little bit, just a little bit faster. Uh, Ortiz has an amazing uh, first step off the line. Uh, make makes great first contact with uh, the tackle, but just doesn't have the handwork yet to uh, defeat defeat the tackle in a quick enough manner. Uh, he just he just gets to the quarterback when he gets the ball off. So, by no means is he not generating pressure. He often makes the quarterback throw the ball away, but he just doesn't get there before just in time to get a sack so if ortiz can improve on that, then it's definitely going to be uh a very crucial part of uh very crucial part of uh the defense uh one thing for uh Jose Ortiz is he's gonna be playing out his at of no, actually he won't be playing out a scheme because it just uh, dawned on me that often uh, UCLA would have a hybrid defense, so uh, Ortiz did line up as a traditional three tech at times as uh Jacob, Jose and uh Bowley. Can't think of Boley's first name, but uh those two would be uh playing outside would be uh, pass rushing outside linebackers. So actually no, Jose Ortiz has played three tech before and did at a pretty good level at that. So uh he might be undersized at only two fifty, but uh he generates great pressure well playing the three-tech and five has the explosiveness to play both. So uh by by no means should this be a bad performance out of Jose Ortiz. Uh heading to his running mate for the weekend, it would be Kendrick Woodson defensive uh, end out of uh, Baylor. Baylor, once again, also ran a 3-4, so Woodson was primarily a 3-tech in the defense, so it led to him being often the 4th fiddle, as uh, Forbes, uh, Reed, and Beautiful Soul uh, would uh, generate most TFLs and tackles, and Woodson would be there on the cleanup. But, yeah, Woodson uh, was a great... Uh great three tech for the Baylor Bears. Uh a good run defender all around. Uh uh good and contained, keeping keeping his gap. Uh if it be uh protecting the A or the B. And when he when he would line up outside as a five tech, obviously uh containing the edge and uh forcing scrambling quarterbacks back inside. Uh going to the next player on the list we have August Speller. It was an absolute game record for the Miami Hurricanes as he blew up gaps in the run and shredded blocks in the pass rush. Uh, August Speller was a key part of the Miami defense front seven, as he often commanded double teams, which allowed linebackers to flow the ball often more freely as they would come down to the line and make tackles. Uh, one one big thing that I picked up on August Speller in his uh, in his run defense was he had the ability to two gap uh, for any. Any person who doesn't know what two-gapping is. That is when a defensive lineman uh, puts his body into the gap and will uh, shove the offensive lineman into another gap. So an example of August Feller lining up in the A-gap, he will he will take his own A-gap, and he will shove the center into the right A-gap, if you're looking at it from the offensive lineman's perspective. He will throw his body into the, into his A-gap and throw the offensive lineman into his A-gap, which is to his right or his left, depending on what side the one tack is on. So with that being said, that completely shuts down the middle as no running back is going to want to either A, run through his uh, 300-pound offensive lineman or run into the 300-pound defensive lineman. So that will force the running back to cut outside and try to, uh, make a play which gives the time gives time for the linebackers to flow the ball safeties to creep down corners to uh, begin to run and defensive ends to uh, once again full contain and allows everyone to make a play so it's very crucial for to have a player who can two gap and august speller is that type of player will he be able to do it day one entering into the rfl probably not uh, it will take time to do it at the next level uh, but he did well at the collegiate level. Uh, so there's only a few players in the NFL off the top of my head that I can uh, picture as being elite two gappers, one being Nathan Schmidt, who broke the tackles for loss record with 30. Uh, Nasan Nathan, Nathan, yeah, Nathan Richardson uh, is an up-and-coming defensive tackle who's an absolute stud. They'll be playing in the Pro Bowl on Monday night. Uh, he's He's getting up there. For being able to two gap at an elite level, Stefan Wilcox, uh, Stanley McQuiston, uh, CJ Core, all these defensive tackles who are an elite run def or elite run defenders are are excellent at doing uh, two gapping. I would say Ty Quill Jones, but he is two gaps, standing at six six ten three sixty five, so. Yeah, and as a pass rusher, uh, Speller has great uh, counter techniques to defeating double teams, often getting either the guard or center to mit- to take a misstep. As the best way to uh, prevent uh, split- getting a double team split is the center will take his uh, whatever side the ball is going, his post foot, and putting it, up, putting it up, and then the guard will counter that by putting up his post foot, so an example of saying he's lining up on the one tack on the left side, the center will uh, put his left foot up as his post foot, and the right and the left guard will put up his right foot as opposed as the post foot, and that will help uh, defend against uh, splitting the double teams. But if if you did it inversely, and the center put up his right foot and the guard put up his left foot, that would lead a what that would leave. A wide open gap for the center for uh, the defense tackle to exploit as the o-lineman's uh, legs are not uh in a flex position to uh create uh tension so it's an easy easily broken wall but that's enough for uh def- <laughs> defensive line and o-line techniques you guys didn't come here to listen to me explain uh two gapping and uh how to defeat a double team but moving to, Devin An- moving to the next defensive tackle, who is Devin Andrews. Uh, Andrews isn't a very explosive uh, athlete coming off the D-line. Uh, he's a bit undersized at only 285, 6'2", two, 285. Uh, but he uses that smaller frame to create lift. As the old saying goes in football, the low man wins. Andrew can move to the 3-tech at the next level, as he'll be able to use that athleticism to uh, fly past guards. Uh, But most primarily, uh, the great thing that uh, Devin Andrews has is his ability to have an elite first step and uh, generate uh, rush right up past into the backfield, securing running backs in space without no problem, and also often sometimes beating the O-line off the ball and just getting to the quarterback in uh, under three seconds. So with that ability to do, it's uh, very difficult to do uh it's a defense it's an offensive coordinator's uh worst nightmare to see d tackle just flying unblocked into the backfield and you're just hoping that you have a running back who's uh competent in pass protection or a fullback sitting back there to try to pick him up to give the quarterback little just a little bit more time uh arguably uh i had an argument with forbes and quite a few people in the journal of vc about this topic but uh when we first when we were coming up with our top ten defensive tackles list, uh I argued that I think that Devin Andrews should have been D tackle one over Jermaine Taylor. Yes, I understand he had thirty sacks, and by no means am I saying that Devin Andrews is a better pass rusher at the defensive position, defense tackle position than Jermaine Taylor. But Devin Andrews is an above average run defender in all areas. Well, Jermaine Taylor, that was the area that he struggled in. And as a coach who we just saw get absolutely destroyed by inside zone by the explorers, uh, it's very apparent that having defensive tackles that can uh, stop the run is a kind of uh, a very crucial element to the game of football. So yeah, I could have Jermaine Taylor as my defensive tackle, but if he's going to get blown off the ball in the run game and we're just going to get gashed up the A-gap the entire game off of uh, off inside zone because our D-tackle can't shed a block in in the run game, then that's not going to be effective because for a defensive tackle of Jermaine Taylor's caliber to uh, be successful... Third and long is where they feed, and if you keep allowing uh, first downs off a running plays, you're never going to get third and long. So yeah, that's just a bit of a ramble, but I think that Devin Andrews has the potential to be, not potential, has the highest floor as a run defender uh, in this entire class, and you can develop his, his, pass, his pass rush moves, which shouldn't be too far behind in my opinion. Uh, he, he was a great pass rusher as well, uh, generating pressure, pushing back the center and guards, uh, closing the pocket for quarterbacks, often making them scramble, and having other D-linemen or linebackers clean up the mess that Devin Andrews started by shoving the center into the quarterback's lap. Uh, moving to the linebacking core, we're going to be uh, speaking on Sean Bass Jr., who's who was a 3-4 outside linebacker who had went to Miami, who specialized in pass rushing, but when his senior season arrived, so did a new coaching staff and who wanted to run a 4-3 system, leaving linebackers like Sean Best and Rip Montez stuck and having to adapt to a new position in the final year of collegiate Ball. Best Jr. won out the job versus Montez for the second nickel linebacker spot with West Look. With the West looking to return to a 3-4 system, Sean Best Jr. uh, will look to uh, return to his uh, native position as a 3-4 outside linebacker and pass rusher. And we might finally get an opportunity to see what Sean Best has in his arsenal for it finally to be unlocked. So yeah, Sean Best... Uh, We'll finally get his opportunity to play a 3-4 outside linebacker and be a pass rusher predominantly this weekend. So if he can generate some pressure and show that he is at least a good pass rusher and could be a good number two, that could uh, really turn the heads of some uh, RFL scouts. Moving to the next linebacker who will be playing the other outside linebacker position, we have Christian Bonnet. Uh, your typical 3-4 outside linebacker who excels in short to intermediate coverages and was a solid run defender in, for the LSU Tigers. LSU ran a hybrid defense that had Bonnet all over the field. Bonnet has also has also played nearly every position in the front seven outside of defensive tackle, as sometimes he was asked to line up with his hand in the turf and rushing the passer and then lining up as the mid-linebacker and calling the defense for uh, the LSU Tigers. Uh, with this hybrid defense, obviously, Bonap was asked to do a lot of different things, uh, leaving him as a very versatile player. Overall, as he can play middle linebacker, outside linebacker, you could ask him to put his hand in the ground and that pass rush. By no means is that going to be his strongest area, but if you really were lacking, uh, lacking a number two pass rusher, And you wanted to try to develop uh, Christian Bonnet, a.k.a. Beezle the Diesel, into uh, a pass-rushing outside linebacker. All the power to you. I wouldn't say it's a strength by any means, but uh, I think he's willing to put in the work to uh, mold into whatever a defense is uh, looking to build around. Uh, He was a great run defender as well in the time he got snaps out on the field. So yeah, all-around great player for the LSU Tigers. Uh, moving to the next player, we're going to be talking about is Josh Hardy, the Mike single caller for for uh, the Miami Hurricanes, leading the tackle leading tackles for the Hurricanes. Hardy standing at six foot five, two fifty five. He's the ultimate alpha. Hardy has ex- ex- excellent uh, athleticism for a player of his size, as he can cover sideline to sideline. His only one weak area. I saw while watching his tape was he struggled to disengage uh, with block with uh, O lineman once becoming blocked, so that area will be something to watch for diligently uh, this weekend uh, for Josh Hardy. Uh, Hardy can cover, like I said, sideline to sideline co- cover a wide receiver, tight end, and any crossing road, and uh, can flow the ball uh, in outside zone and. Often can try his best to fill inside zone gaps, but if he is too quick and gets engaged with an offensive lineman, it's a wrap for Hardy. Uh, Moving to the next linebacker, uh, who is Dan Glissick, linebacker from Oregon, who is arguably the best cover linebacker in the nation with his 16 pass deflections. Glissick showed off his great instincts in both man and zone coverage while at Oregon, often finding his way into the quarterback's strong lanes. Uh if Dan Glissa can show that he can come downhill and thump in the run game and fill gaps, uh he could he could be arguably uh said to be the best linebacker in the class, as one thing that uh Jacob Reed struggled in was uh his ability to uh play pass coverage overall and same thing with uh Logan Russell. Russell was better at pass coverage, but not as successful as a run defender. So that's linebacker one and two. But if Hardy can show that he can thump in the run game and uh create uh negative plays by put by getting the running back in the backfield, that could be huge for Glissig's draft stock. Uh moving to the defensive backs, uh first we'll be starting with corner. Prince Potter's your day one boundary corner for a team, as he's a high-end man corner. While watching Potter at A and M, he does everything you look for in an elite corner. He has great instincts in both man and zone coverage. He has great athleticism. at At six foot one, his the weakness in Potter's game is his tackling, as he goes goes for them, but often can be shrugged off. as well As well as Potter never showed a great press technique, as he would be defeated off the line, but be able to stay within the wide receiver's pocket throughout the rep. Uh yeah, so Prince Potter, as already mentioned, uh, great day one boundary corner. I look forward to seeing him out. Uh, facing against uh Deshawn Jones, I think will probably be facing against Prince Potter. I don't know that for sure, but that'll definitely be an interesting matchup to watch. Uh, coming in at uh the cornerback two position, we have uh, Matty Packerman the third. Uh, he was cornerback 2 for the Hurricanes as he played alongside Lito Loso arguably the best corner in the draft Packerman held in 5 interceptions for the Hurricane as he faced a high volume of targets but did quite well on on those as he faced them, on those targets that he faced Packerman will, will be a great cb2 for a team as he can always be relied on to keep a team's second option at bay uh yeah so Matty Packerman obviously was uh the higher end on the statistical category for the Man hurricanes Hurricane says he had the five interceptions, but uh, often quarterbacks were throwing his way due to uh, not wanting to throw it towards Lido. so uh, Packerman took advantage of those opportunities and hauled in five picks. I've already said that three times, but why not say it once more? Yeah, so Packerman uh, should be a great, great watch this week. Uh, ex- excellent man corner. Uh, good, good, solid press technique off the line. Definitely could be improved, but, uh, nothing, nothing too, uh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, moving to, uh, the nickel corner, most likely being Deshaun Bass. Has, uh, great athleticism for the cornerback position as he looks to down, as he looks to lock down your top wide receiver on a down to down-to-down basis. A bass has great tangibles in both man and zone coverage as he has top level athleticism, as he has a nose for the ball, as he had 18 plays on the ball, three of them resulting in turnovers for the defense, a bass profile as well as an outside corner can be a slot buck can be a slot corner in this first couple seasons. Yeah, so a Detroit bass standing at six foot two uh one hundred and eighty pounds uh he's on the lighter side for a corner, but uh he held up extremely well at uh u s c facing off some against some uh pretty big wide receivers uh obviously facing uh jadoy bully jack in practice all season definitely would help him uh become more physical as bully jack is one of the biggest strongest uh wide receivers in the entire class yeah, DeShawna Pass has a great potential and upside. Now moving to the safety position, we have Blue Berryhill, a rangy safety that flies to the ball and has great play rec and can control over the top of the defense. While, being, while watching Baylor's game, she really popped off the screen with his ability to make plays, to make any play presented in front of him. Berryhill shows off, off that true do-it-all safety that can make any play you're looking, that can make any team, are looking for safeties who can cover over the top and cover one, but also play down at the line of run defense. Uh, honestly, just watching Baylor games, uh, if uh, Samuel Stubbs had just had an, a little bit more average of a season, I could have arguably made a case that Blueberry Hill was actually the better safety at Baylor, as he just, he just was always everywhere, but so was Stubbs, so... By no means is that uh, a snub on Stubbs, but yeah, Berryhill Hill just had like that that it factor that like he could do anything asked of him could be he's everywhere you want him to be, uh, and he really honestly gave uh, Samuel Stubbs the ability to play at his best self. Uh, Stubbs was able to roam around the field and uh, just lock down coverage, hit players and stuff. And with having Blue Berryhill Hill as your as your uh, safety. Uh, partner, I would, I would definitely be comfortable having uh, Stubbs just roam around while Barry Hill sits in a cover one over the top. And the final uh, defensive player that we will talk about is uh, Connor Baker, a rangy, a rangy, uh, strong safety that has great coverage skills and can fly around the field and collect up tackles and knock down passes. The biggest flaw in Baker's game is his lack of run support has only racked up two TFLs on the season as he was often in a deep zone of the field. So Connor Baker might have been listed as a strong safety on the stat sheet. But uh, most often uh, we would see Connor Baker playing a free safety role for the A&M defense as he often would be sitting up in cover threes, cover two over the top and never really uh, playing coming down and playing the run at the line which not all safeties have to do but it would be nice to see if baker could have done that a little bit more often maybe that'll be something we see this see this weekend as connor baker playing down closer to the line and showing off his ability to uh stop the run at the line making a fourth an inch play could be huge for him and then we'll just talk about we'll just quickly uh talk about special specialists we have uh michael floda a kicker for the first half uh, obviously of the goda now he has the special teams award named after him so if that doesn't say say enough then i don't know what will and then a punter we have justin lawrence who also was a kicker at florida state but halfway through the season also took over punting duties for the seminoles and did a great job doing it at that uh overall uh baker not baker uh lawrence I think he had like a 40, 45 net average as a punter. And that's pretty good when your primary job is kicking. Uh, Sean and Madden. Uh, yeah, so that's your starting offense for uh, the West. Now let's talk about the backups for the West, and then we'll head to the East and uh, break down their team. Yeah, so the starting, first, the starting quarterback for uh, the backup quarterback they will be playing in uh, the second half. For the West is uh, quarterback James Ramos from Penn State. Running back Thomas Dedimus, a.k.a. T. Diddy, out of Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, Burkhoff Levitsky, back of fullback. Uh, uh, wide receivers, we're going to have Joanne Lethner, Darius Hodge, and Christian Williams. Tight ends, Anthony Fry, and Mason Dunn. Uh, uh, tackles, uh, O-line in general, I mean. Uh, LeSean Tate, Terrell Lewis, uh, Mark Fitzpatrick, uh, Frank Champion, and Trevor Picard. Uh, defensively, we're going to have Bryson Powers, Logan Backer, Devin Andrews, Victor Montague. Outside linebacks, we'll have TD Lectrum, Jojo uh, uh, Josh Hardy, and Dan Glissick. Uh, defensive backs, we're going to have uh, David Kiso, Romeo Crawford, Lito Loso, Deshauna Bass, and Malcolm Washington and special specialists will be the same, but will be inverted where Michael Floyd. We will be punting and Justin Lawrence will be the field goal kicker. Uh, now breaking down the defense. Now breaking down the quarterback uh, offense. Uh, quarterback James Ramos is was a very uh, efficient quarterback that you could rely on. Ramos has a great arm, but doesn't have the mobility to bring up the play action game. Ramos' biggest problem is his weight. As he only weighs 177 pounds and durability enough to be a franchise guy. One of Ramos's biggest flaws throughout his time as a Nathaniel line was to struggle with play action. With the West Coast look that we expect to see, it will give Ramos an opportunity to show off how he has improved on that since the Cotton Bowl. Uh, now looking at running backs, we have Thomas Didymus, who, who was probably my favorite pick uh, selected for the Senior Bowl. Didymus was an explosive running back. At Oklahoma State, I I expect to see the same uh, this weekend. Ideal system for Denimus uh, among is, in my opinion, is a wide zone offense. And hopefully that will hopefully store that. Uh, hopefully in store, we will be in store for that this weekend. My pick for player to raise his draft stock this weekend is Thomas Denimus, A.K.T. Diddy. Uh wide receiver Joanne Ann Leitner is the lead route runner that has and <clears> the <throat> lead route runner as he is one of the best has one of the best releases in the country and has some of, and can run some amazing routes. And Letner turns cor- corners inside out on all different routes, digs, ins, outs, posts, post routes. I really look forward to see how he continues to put cor- uh cornerbacks on skates. Uh, next player we're going to be talking about is Darius Dallas, uh, Darius Hodge. Uh, Hodge is a big body wide receiver that has a great straight line speed and go, can go up for the ball and bag uh, cornerbacks on their head. Hodge will, will have a true quarterback for the first time, so we'll be able to see how he truly is when getting accurate passes. Uh Going to the next wide receiver, we have Christian Williams, a speedster that can stretch the field with his great route running. Same story for Williams, as he'll finally have a true, real quarterback. No disrespect to Warren Polly, but Ramos is a pocket passer and had a great completion percentage and will be able to stretch the field. Uh, looking at tight ends, we have Anthony Fry, who is a deep deep start tight end with great speed and strong hands, but most importantly can block at a good level. Fry was was able to abuse linebackers over the middle and on the outside. Uh, Mason Dunn is a big slot. He has great speed in catching with his ability to find holes in zone coverage, which is very important factor when when becoming a, when being a wide receiver finding space. Uh, Dunn was a killer on flag routes and outbreaking routes, creating separation at the top of the route. Uh, looking at the offensive line, uh even the West back, uh, even the West backups are on a different level. As four of them come out of the SEC, with that being Tate, Lewis, Fitzpatrick, and Picard, and then having Frank Champion at the ACC on their O line. Uh, looking at the at the D line, Bryson Powers is a small, smaller body three tech at LSU, as they ran their hybrid defense, having both four three and three four. Uh, looks. So Powers is going to be back in his element as we'll be able, as he'll be back at the three tack. Power will be a player to watch and see how he handles these tackles. Logan Becker was a five tack at Georgia as he Logan Becker was a five tack at Georgia and struggled greatly at Georgia as he had bad speed and acceleration off the line and being able to shed block and being able to shed block. So this week we'll be able to see You will see him inside and not off the edge for the first time this season. I'm just going to grab a drink of water. Yeah, so Logan Becker uh, just didn't have the speed and excel to uh, be dominant off the edge. So we'll definitely be interested to see how he does lined up as a three-tack. Uh, Defensive tackle Victor Montague was an excellent run defender as he was a monster in the run game, knocking centers off their spot and tackling boys in the backfield. Montague was also an average pass rusher as they generated good pressure up the middle at times for the Fighting Irish. Uh, Now we're going to be heading to the linebacking core. First player we're going to talk about is T. Leckram. After coming to Michigan, he found out that they were going to be going through a staff transition as the Wolverines College Series in the College Series 1 ran a 3-4 multiple, and then heading to College Series 2, Michigan transitioned to a fourth, 4 3 system, leaving Lectrum as a stand up line stand-up linebacker and leaving him in on leaving him out on passing downs. So this weekend it will be crucial to see how T D Lecrum and Jojo Luzon were able to use this opportunity to finally play in the scheme that they committed to the schools to play in. Uh, overall, this should be a very interesting experiment to see how TD Lecrum performs at Michigan. Uh, let's see, what was TD Lecrum's uh, submitted attributes? Scroll up to Michigan, image from Michigan, click 100. Uh, T.D. Lecrum had 99 finesse, 90 excel, 90 block, shed 80, 90 pursuit, 85 speed, 85 strength, 85 power, and 85 awareness. So he's a pure speed rusher, as he has great has a great speed off the edge. Standing six foot three, two forty. This is going to be Lecrum's Lecrum's time to shine. He was an he was honestly a very good run defender for the Wolverines when out in the field and base downs. Uh, he forced. Two fumbles, I think. One for sure, maybe two. I'm thinking two. So he has the ability to uh, make, make plays when he's out on the field. So this is definitely going to be an opportunity for him to uh, shine. Uh, going to the other outside linebacker we'll be seeing is Jojo Luzon. was in a similar boat as Best Jr. and Lekrum as they were pass rushers but got stuck as a stand-up backer. So we'll be really looking forward to see how he'll perform in this game as a true pass rusher. Jojo uh, Luzon had. Let's scroll down to Oregon. Oregon is an O. Uh, Luzon. He stands at six foot four, two forty. So he's quite similar to TD Leckerman At, he had ninety nine finesse, ninety tackle, ninety power, ninety awareness, eighty five speed, excel head power and strength. So once again, we have uh, a speed rusher. Coming off the edge, so we're gonna have two speed rushers with TD and Jojo Luzon going against honestly two pretty terrible tackles uh, for the East ba- for the East sides uh, backups. So this could be an opportunity for Lekrum and Luzon to uh, rack up a couple sacks and show off their true pass rushing uh, pedigree. Uh, heading to the cornerback room, we have. Uh, David Kiso, who was a great cornerback too for the Georgia Bulldogs, as he held down his side of the field. Kiso was a quiet assassin for the Bulldogs, as he's a good athlete and has great coverage skills, and along with the ability to read offensive schemes. Uh, David Kiso was again just a quiet corner. He was he was on the opposite side of Zamar Scruggs, arguably a top three corner in the, in this upcoming draft. So that that being said, he, again he obviously received a lot of targets uh similar to uh Matty Packerman and he did the best he did the best that he could. Uh didn't didn't allow too many catches. Uh overall really underrated corner as again called an quiet assassin. Uh heading to our second corner we have Romeo Crawford it was a very, very underrated corner for the Texas Longhorns as he played the nickel. Uh, having 16 pass deflections at nickel corner, he quietly did his work at the slot as he played with uh, Damian Fox and Xavier Eaves, two, again, arguably uh, great corners. Uh, I look forward to see how he'll play this weekend, as I think he'll be getting out to play on the boundary. Uh, next player we have is Lito Loso. He's, he's Lito, enough said. You've heard it from me multiple times. No need to be the dead horse. Uh, going to the next player, we have Deshaun Evans, uh, high flying free safety, as he covers over the top. As he is an elite zone, has elite zone instincts, along with his great athleticism and player along with tackling ability. Deshaun Evans is a guy who you can definitely trust to just leave up on a cover in a cover one over the top and uh, scouring the field without any uh, any problems whatsoever. So, definitely going to be interesting to see how the West deploys him in the second half, uh, for sure. And then at strong safety, we have uh, Malcolm Washington. He's a little hitting machine as he led the Clemson Tigers in tackles. Uh, four, and fitting up in the hole. Um, Washington's stands at 5'9 is a disadvantage for him, as he can be often thrown, thrown at and doesn't have the jumping to knock the ball down. Uh, yeah so Washington overall is a great safety has uh, great hip power and can definitely make tackles uh in the gap without any fear of uh missing missing tackles so yeah uh that's that's your review for uh the west uh no yeah. so let's just talk right right into the east we're at forty eight minutes already so this this is definitely going to be a long one here boys. Uh if you're if you're still here, uh, I appreciate it, boys. We still got a whole side to go. Uh yeah, so the starters for the east east side is quarterback Jane Romanelli, Washington, Cody Carter from Baylor, Earl Gill, fullback from AM, Tyler Simpson, uh from Georgia, Ty Gooden from Baylor, Deshaun Jones from Miami, tight end Chandler Godspeech from UCLA, Jason Springs is your starting left tackle, Marshall Brown from Wisconsin. Patrick Neal at center, Mike Smith at the, from USC at right guard, Emmett Stockson at uh right tackle from Iowa, defensive ends, we have Willy-Nilly, Javon Cruz, defensive tackles, we have uh Stephen Forbes and Bruce Rivers. Uh linebackers, we have Alfred Walker and James Axel, middle linebacker, we have Kenny Forrester out of Texas. Uh cornerback room, uh it's Jason Alexander and Don Dang, both UCLA Bruins. Uh, Kelly Turin from LSU, Chris Polk from Miami, Samuel Stubbs from Baylor, and kicker, we have Amy Schlizzy and uh, punter, we have Cody Hill. Uh, looking at Jaden Romanelli, uh, he's definitely going to uh, take advantage of this uh, vertical, uh, ver- vertical zone run that uh, the East will be looking to deploy uh, throughout the season, 50 minutes. Already fifty minutes in here, boys. Yeah, so uh, he'll definitely be looking to uh, use all the field in this vertical zone run uh, system, uh, showcase off his arm talent and his ability to uh, read route combinations far down the field. Uh, Yeah, so that's that's uh, definitely going to be interesting to see. Jane Romanelli faces off against uh, the starting West defense. Uh, Running back, we'll finally have a chance to see how Cody Carter can carry the load. And uh, because with uh, Baylor having, with Baylor having uh, oftentimes having to pass uh, coming out of the second half as they're often losing at half, uh, Cody Carter often was worked out of the game plan. Uh, not not even intentionally, just uh, they need to try to get back into games and running wasn't the form the best form to do to do that task. So Yeah, so at times Baylor was interested interesting to say less work for the offensive game plan as Baylor often needed to come past heavy in the second half, leading to Carter falling out of favor with many people. When Curry got the ball, he showed off his quick burst through the line and his agility to make the first player miss. Uh, looking at wide receivers, we have Tyler Simpson, a soft wide receiver at Georgia with the likes of Melton and Blaylock. This weekend is Simpson's time to shine and show that if he can really run with the big dogs out on the boundary, or if he'll be staying in the slot his entire career. Ty Goon is a short, stocky wide receiver that once again played the sl- Played slot at Baylor. Uh, Gooden was a sure-handed set of hands for Tyler Mall as he often ran drags and slants and many different short route concepts. So heading into the weekend, this will be a great opportunity for Gooden to show off his ability to stretch the field with uh, deep and medium routes. Uh, wide receiver Deshaun Jones is a big-body wide receiver, saying 6'3", 191. Well, While My- well, Miami, Jones struggled with lack of targets as inadequate quarterback play from D.J. White. Uh, Jones is a great intermediate route runner at, that creates good separation off his routes, and I expect Jones to have a big weekend as he will have Romanelli getting him the ball all over the field. Uh, offensively, we have uh, offense note. Uh, tight end Chandler Goodspeed was uh, good was was the go-to target for the UCLA Bruins as Jay Sworth often found Godspeed underneath on sticks and digs and drags. Godspeed's money play was the tight end flag route as he would often toast backers off the line with his release getting rack yards down the sidelines. Godspeed was an okay blocker so if you can work on improving that this weekend that would be great for his future. Uh, heading to the east O-line is definitely worse than the west starting O-line but they do have some great talent like Emmett Stockson who Iowa Gray is an All-American lineman at Iowa. Marshall Brown and Mike Smith were uh, good All-Linemen at their respective schools of Wisconsin and, and USC. Jason Springs was, was really good for the Baylor Bears. And finally, Pat McNeil, who had his ups and downs throughout the season. Pat was a great run blocker all season, but struggled against some of the best defensive tackles in the country. So it's hard to knock him knock when you look at the competition that he faced. Uh, now heading to the defensive side of the ball uh willy-nilly defensive end for ucla was a great run defender as he was able to beat the tackle off the line especially in outside zone plays as he was able to seal the edge Uh, nelly was also a strong power rusher as he can knock the tackle off the spot with a strong bull rush off the line so it'll be very interesting to see how willy-nilly performs this weekend as his strengths were sealing the edge on outside zone plays and that's the that's what uh hopefully the East uh the West will be looking to play into. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how Nelly will be able to put up. Javon uh heading to the next player, we have Javon Cruz, who's a 3-4 defensive end at Texas. Excelled in three tech as he mastered to defeat the double team double team block, similar to how I spoke on with uh August Speller Speller earlier. Cruz also lined up at the 1-tech and 5-tech as well. While at Texas, Cruz also excelled in the 1-tech, but at the 5, Cruz was not was not good as he didn't have the explosiveness to be able to defeat the tackle as he would be locked up in the block. This weekend, Cruz has been rumored to be lining up with the 5-tech, so I guess he's going to be having another chance at the 5 and trying to show scouts that he can play on the edge. I'll be rooting for him, but I don't expect that to be very effective for him, and he will be a 3-4 defensive end at the next level. Uh, defensive tackle, Stephen Forbes was a key piece of the Baylor Bears defense as to be the anchor of the middle in their 3-4. Playing the nose tackle, Forbes was great at plugging holes and generating uh, pressure up the middle. Forbes was a large reason of Jacob Reed's success as he would be able to two-gap, allowing Reed to shoot the gap and get sacks and TFLs. Uh, Baylor's defense was one of the most complete units outside of their corners. Uh, defense tackle Bruce Rivers at Alabama was a great part of the uh, Bama defense as he was able to lead the D line as he would call stunts stunts for the line. Rivers often commanded double teams, leaving his team teammates available on single teams. Rivers also a solid run defender and often would make uh, the backs change directions, allowing Charles Turner and Dorian Grant to clean up uh, tackles. Uh, going to the linebacker room, we have uh, Alfred Walker as an All American, in my opinion, as he was one, as he was the leader of the Bulldogs' defense. Walker was primarily a coverage linebacker who also fitted up well. In the, uh, yeah, so uh, the East looking to uh, run a three-four defense this weekend. Uh, oh fuck. Okay, Axel was a star pass rusher for the Texas Longhorns as he had uh seven sacks seven sacks at Texas. Uh Axel was an explosive pass rusher as he would show off his high high-end athleticism. Uh East the East is looking to run a 3-4 defense this weekend, so this will be an interesting test for Axel to show off how he'll be able to handle and be thrown into every down coverage snaps on a snap-to-snap basis. Uh, Kenny Forrester is a quick but small frame middle linebacker for the Longhorns, as he only weighs 220 pounds that we showed as a very quick backer. Forrester did not allow his weight to slow him down, as he was a beast in the run game, earned the nickname the Lumberjack for his aggressive tackling style. Forrester Jr. was also no slouch in the past game, as he was one of the best backers. When it came to covering tight ends, yes, he got beat a couple times, but he was able to go stride for try with tight ends and man coverage. Okay, so we're currently at 58 minutes. It says that uh, the longest you can go is 60. So I'm going to end this one here and then come back with the rest of the cornerbacks and uh, the backup unit of the East. So make sure you guys tune in to the second half of this. And uh, obviously tune in to the Senior Bowl that will be happening on Sunday night.